Blog Talk Radio. Round one. Fight, 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 fight. And welcome to the ballot, my minions. My name's Tom Marquisell, Presidente. You have stumbled across the number one internet sports talk show in the world between the hours of 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. And hopefully my voice uh, holds out for the next two hours. 917-889-8516 is my digits if you want to call in and talk sports. The NFL is over. What will we talk about? I am totally baffled. No, uh, yeah, we have plenty to talk about. Uh, Well, first of all, let's talk about what is happening in the NFL. Uh, Coaching changes. Oh, there's really only one coaching change that we're going to talk about, and that's the Indianapolis Colts. Josh McDaniels uh, leaves the Colts standing at the altar Wanting to know what the hell happened. What just happened here? We'll talk about that. We'll break that down. And um, in, in our second hour uh, with Ed Kratz, our beat writer, uh, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, is going to give us a recap of that magnificent Super Bowl where the, Indian, where the Philadelphia, I wish it was Indianapolis, where the Philadelphia Eagles uh, came back with a miraculous win. And I'd say probably one of the best Super Bowls that we have ever seen or ever witnessed in my lifetime anyway. And I'm, I'm pretty much an old man. So we'll say ever. At least in my opinion, and you know, so uh, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the Josh McDaniels thing. We got a recap. We got the NFL signing day. Uh, certainly some NBA talk, and now we're going to merge in uh, to some racing uh, talk again. Uh, Daytona 500 next weekend. We got Steve Wilson and Tyson uh, Lautenschlager. Uh, Tyson from onpitroad.com and Steve from Speedway Digest. And Steve uh, Wilson is our official NASCAR contributor to the balance. And uh, we're going to break down this Daytona 500, the X's and the O's as well. So I tell you what, it's going to be a great show. We've got everything on tap for you. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Yeah. 
Bobby, you're here again. Yeah, my doctor told me to reduce stress at work, so I come to Buffalo Wild Wings to eat lunch and watch sports. I get to pick one of seven entrees, like sandwiches and salads, plus one of seven sides. Well, I like sides. It's so affordable, I can finally take a vacation. Where are you going to go? Here, Tim, here. Introducing the new B-Dub Fast Break Lunch Menu, starting at a new low price. Dine-in or order takeout weekdays between 11 and 2. Participation and availability may vary. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. See the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive-through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Symbol Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Welcome back to the balance. 
My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. Welcome all across the United States. We welcome you and abroad, wherever you may be listening uh, to us. Uh, and if you're listening to us in a podcast, you know, really what you're listening to is our live radio show that runs uh, between 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Saturday morning. Uh, so if you're not listening to us live and you listen to us on the podcast, we greatly appreciate it. Do us one little favor if you'll just hit that little subscribe button so that you get a reminder uh, when we uh, have uploaded a new episode and usually is uh, relatively soon after our live uh, broadcast. And uh, certainly welcome to all of our uh, uh, radio affiliate radio stations across the nation. I tell you what, th- this first segment is just going to be kind of you and I, and then we're going to get into our racing segment, but then we're going to get into some NFL talk. And there's a lot to talk about in the NFL, and we're going to get an NFL recap uh, from Ed Kratz, our official NFL contributor. Of course, the whole team's going to be here. Is going to be joining us. Uh, Rick Riggin, uh, our college football analyst, uh, is also going to help us break down college signing day and um, calling us from down in Evansville, Indiana, and uh, all-around good guy. And uh, Mo from the BS Sports Show is going to join us later on in the show, as well as Grant Asif. Uh, we uh, met him last week during our Super Bowl week, and he's going to call in and talk with us a little bit about what's going on with the Indianapolis Colts. And, uh, you know, Josh McDaniels leaving the Indianapolis Colts at the altar. Let me tell you, know, I certainly don't want to uh, take away, away all the wind uh, from our, our NFL segment and from our conversation. Well, let's talk about some of the bullet points here, what happened here, okay? You know, for at least, let's say, five weeks, six weeks, maybe a tad bit longer. It's pretty much been common knowledge, even though the Indianapolis Colts could not announce it uh, before the Super Bowl was over. I mean, or the New England Patriots, for that matter, because the New England Patriots were playing in the Super Bowl. Josh McDaniels, of course, is the offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots. Um, So, you know, apparently... just you know, they they it was kind of like a a wink and a nod. Hey, you're coming our way, and you're going to be our next head coach of the Indianapolis Colts to replace uh, Chuck Pagano, who was relieved of his duties at the end of the season. Uh, and so that's that's fine, that's dandy. You know, I actually was on board with uh, Josh McDaniels, as you know, we flagship here in Indianapolis. So I'll say that I'm a, I'll be a homer for a few minutes here for the Indianapolis Colts. I love the Indianapolis Colts. I follow the Colts very, very, very thoroughly. And, you know, I, I'm right here in their backyard. Their, their, their complex is just a few miles away from us here in Indianapolis where we broadcast from high atop the balance radio studios in the west suburbs of Indianapolis, Indiana. But uh, so I'm, I, I'm very familiar with how this all played out in the local media and so forth, I guess is what I'm, what I'm getting at here. And what happened? was Josh McDaniels uh Josh McDaniels said yeah I will uh be your next head coach basically agreed on a verbal if you will a verbal and a handshake maybe that he was going to be the next head coach okay the super bowl is over new england patriots lose the super bowl and um they make the announcement it's official it's signed sealed and delivered Josh McDaniels is going to be the next head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Well, then we get into part B of the story, the rest of the story. Josh Daniels became a little bitch and said, hey, I'm not coming to Indianapolis. 
I'm staying in New England, which sent the Indianapolis Colts into a tailspin. Yeah, I know. I should have said that about Josh McDaniels, but my gosh, it really does irritate me that a grown man, you know, there, there's you talk about a man's code. One of the man's code is you're only as good as your word. Now we could play the sympathy party for all of his uh, 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 coaches that he had lined up and all, and signed up and contracted with the Indianapolis Colts to you know to leave their prospective positions to come to the Colts to be with Josh McDaniels. I don't. I'm not going to really play that fiddle because I'll tell you why. The Indianapolis Colts are going to honor their contract. Yes, the new the new coach is going to have to come in and deal with this mess too. So Josh McDaniels not only did he screw over the Indianapolis Colts, the coaches now he's 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 put the new coach into a bad situation. All he had to do, the only thing he had to do, and this is very very simple. Indianapolis Colts, I'm honored that you would you would want me to be your next head coach. I think my place is still in New England. I have not finished my work here. It is time for me to stay here. I respectively decline your offer. Okay. Nobody would have said anything more about it. Now, part two. Like I said, there's a lot of people to blame on this. The next person to blame. Let's go ahead and line them up. Let's line them up on the firing squad here. Next person to blame, Indianapolis Colts, Chris Ballard. Now, I'll, I'll, give, I'll give credit where credit's due. Chris Ballard really did own the press conference regarding this situation. You know, it's unfortunate that he was put in this situation, so he did exhibit some leadership when it came to that. But he pulled the trigger pre- prematurely as far as announcing it to the fans and announcing it uh, to the public uh, that, you know, we've agreed in terms. We're going to have a press conference Next day, Lucas Oil Stadium, four o'clock. You know, of course, all kinds of signage and stuff was all drawn up. It was a, it was already done. Josh McDaniels was going to be the next head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, and then it happened. He said, "No, no, I'm going to stay here in New England, like a bitch." Anyway, I'll uh, I'll let that lie where that slide. The next person, not pe- group of people, I want to blame is the local media. Okay. I live here in Indianapolis, and I, I respect the local media. I have a lot of friends in the local media. So let me just say that this is not a jab personally to them. This is a jab professionally to them. Okay? Bob Kravitz sends out a, an article and posts an article on WTHR.com, uh, who he's employed by. He used to be with the Indianapolis Star, beat writer for the Indianapolis Colts. Him and Jason Spells post an article that says, Signs sealed and delivered. Josh McDaniels is going to be the next head coach. Okay? Signed, sealed, and delivered never happened. Signed? No. Sealed? Apparently not because it's not signed. Delivered? No. Apparently not because he's not in Indianapolis. So the blame goes to the Indianapolis Colts for making this huge announcement before it was signed. Uh, let's, 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 let's emphasize that word. Signed. Contract signed, sealed, meaning agreed upon, and delivered, meaning that he was here in Indianapolis. Then the local media lined up like sheep. Boom, boom, boom. 
Indianapolis has their next head coach. It's Josh McDaniels. It's official. Signed, sealed, and delivered. Shame on you, Bob Kravitz. You should have never done that. You know better than that. You're a much better journalist than that. Jason Spells, you are too. Now, I will give you guys both credit. You did go on Facebook Live. You guys did do a great job of owning your mistake, and we move forward. Again, nothing personal against you guys. I, I certainly have met and talked with both of you guys, great guys. You guys know uh, – you guys are, are better journalists than that, I guess is what I'm saying. And I understand it's a pretty pretty legit source when the when the Indianapolis Colts make an official press release statement. You're only going off of what was given to you. I get that. That's why I put them out there on the firing line too. But most importantly, and none of this would have happened if it wasn't for Josh McDaniels being a bitch. Can we say that one more time? It really just grinds my gears to, to, when we have to go through this. We'll see who the next head coach is for the Indianapolis Colts. We'll talk about the, the candidates and the possibilities of who that's, that's uh, going to be. And uh, we'll, we'll get into that talk a little bit later on. Woo! What a way to start the morning. Get your adrenaline going, right? 917-889-8516. My digits you want to talk about uh, the NFL, whatever. Uh, let me know. We're going to get into some racing talk here in a few minutes. It's Daytona 500 next weekend. Cars are out on the track. Steve Wilson, our official NASCAR contributor, is going to be joining us and talking with us a little bit about what's going on there in NASCAR. Also, Tyson and Lautenschlager from MonPitRoad.com, our favorite Canadian, is going to give us a call. And uh, we're going to talk NASCAR. What's going on? What are the X's and the O's? And, yeah, we'll probably throw a little Danica talk in for, for, for S and L's, right? S and G's, I guess. <laughs> Google it, people. Google it. And then we'll we'll get into uh, you know uh, we'll, we'll we'll touch a little bit about what's going on with IndyCar. Obviously, Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor, uh, is has got uh, his uh, Indy 500 grid projection up on uh, up, up up online. So check it out and follow him at at Matthew Embry uh, and check him out at popularopenwheel.com. Uh, but he's got his uh, Indy 500 uh, grid up there. And so, you know, maybe we'll touch a little bit uh, on, on that as far as what's what's going on uh, with with IndyCar. Uh, but uh, uh, he's got his Indy 500 grid projections, and uh, he's uh, pretty convinced that uh, they're already at 33 entries. And uh, but there could be more than that. So we'll see. You know, uh, we we always like to say that there's going to be 33 cars in the Indianapolis 500. We also know that Danica Patrick's going to be racing in the Indianapolis uh, 500 as well. So we're going to get into a lot of the racing talk. And you know, we got some. We had the the college uh, football signing day part two because there's the early signing and you know so part two uh, of that. So we'll talk about that later on in the next hour as well as our NFL recap. And like I, like I said, Ed Kratz is going to be joining us, um, as as well as Rick Riggin, uh, Mo from the BS Sports Show, Grant Astiff, 
actually giving us a call from out in Arizona, uh, studying sports journalism, and is a uh, sports uh, contributor, if you will, to some Indianapolis local media. Uh, the Pacers, uh, he writes for the Pacers uh, at Indy Coverage, editor of uh, Original Turner's website. Uh, he's a col- columnist uh, for the Kokomo Tribune. Yeah, so for a college student, he keeps himself pretty busy. So he's going to help us uh, talk and break down this Josh McDaniels story as well as the NFL recap. And, you know, IndyCar, I tell you what, IndyCar was out in Phoenix doing some testing yesterday. Uh, so, uh, you know, we'll, we'll kind of have a little bit of a conversation about that in a, in a racing uh, segment as well. NBA, got some NBA talk. And now, guess what time it is, guys? It is time for, not right this precise moment, but just in as far as in the show. You know, it seems like we get so caught up, especially in postseason NFL, that's really kind of engulfs a lot of what we do. And pretty much everything that we do and talk about revolves around the NFL postseason. And, and then, of course, what, during the NFL and racing and when all of us combined, it's hard to kind of merge in some other uh, uh, sports. But we are merging out and merging in and zigging and zagging. So, you know, don't get too dizzy with us. But we're going to get uh, going to be talking about uh, the NCAA. You know, we're just right around the corner from March Madness. And so uh, we're, we've got some big games and big teams to talk about. So we are certainly uh, going to be beginning our conversations on a weekly doses basis about uh, the NCAA basketball. So we've got all of that coming up here in just a few uh, today. We're going to get into all of that conversation and we're going to talk in great detail, in more detail, and we're going to regurgitate more about Josh McDaniels uh, leaving the Indianapolis Colts at the altar. We're going to get, talk about the magnificent win that the Philadelphia Eagles got up there in the frozen tundra in Minneapolis. going to be talking with Ed Kratz, who was up there, and certainly he called us last week uh, during our Super Bowl coverage, uh, you know, two days of Super Bowl coverage, uh, where we had our regular show and then our Super Bowl special as well. And I tell you what, we had a great uh, time with that. We, we enjoy doing that every single year. Uh, hopefully you had an opportunity to download the podcast of the Super Bowl special and uh, the Super Bowl weekend and, and listen to all the fun that we had with that show as well. Make sure you're following us on our, our social media world, if you will, at T-Balance. Uh, and then you can also follow our other Twitterers, if you will, at ProIndy, which is all uh, – at Pro Indy One, I'm sorry, which is all uh, Indianapolis coverage sports, uh, IndyCar, Pacers, Colts, uh, Indians, Fever, Fuel, all of that, local uh, local high school sports and so forth. So we throw a lot of that on, on the Twitter there, on the Twitter world. And at Two Hot Corner, that's all MLB. And I tell you what, we're getting ready to start having some conversations about spring training. Yes, we're right around the corner from spring training. Yes, yes. You know, officially Google says that we're 19 days away from spring. I don't know if it's quite there, but, hey, we're getting there. We're getting close. And I know if you're up in Chicago, you're like, uh, come and look out my back door here. Uh, we got a foot of snow or, you know, in the, in the, in, if you got some of that lake effect snow. And fortunately, it missed us here in Indianapolis. Um, 
But so, but never fear. Spring is on the way, and one of the, the great exciting things always is to watch the start of spring training and, of course, the spring training uh, game. So you can follow all of that action over on at Two Hot Corner. Now, again, as I mentioned, we're 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 heavy into the NCAA basketball, and if you've been follow following us on at Breaking Rank, you know that's really all we do is we we just all college there. It's all college football, basketball, anything to do with college. In college sports and so forth, we throw our information on there about that. But really, the mothership of it all is the balance at T-Balance. So this is the one place where fanatics can come together and talk about their favorite teams. The balance brings you an analytical uh, breakdown from a sports uh, uh, point of view. Uh, We bring you breaking news, commentary, scores, stats, standings, audio, and highlights. And I tell you what, this this is it. This is the place that you want to be uh, when uh, you uh, say, hey, you know, I want to talk some sports, I want to listen to sports. And the great thing about it is all you have to do is download the podcast, and we think thousands and thousands of people that do that every week. Uh, just make sure if you're listening to us on the podcast, if you've not hit subscribe, do that as well. Also over on TuneIn, if you don't have iTunes or what have you, if you don't have the Apple podcast, uh, you can find us on TuneIn. Just search the balance. My name is Tom Mark Wassell, Presidente. We'll be right back. Going to get into some of this racy talk right here on the Balance Radio Network. Buffalo Wild Wings to eat lunch and watch sports. I get to pick one of seven entrees, like sandwiches and salads, plus one of seven sides. Well, I like sides. It's so affordable, I can finally take a vacation. Where are you going to go? Here, Tim. Here. Introducing the new Beat Up Fast Break Lunch Menu, starting at a new low price. Dine-in or order takeout weekdays between 11 and 2. Participation and availability may vary. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. 
Shop the Symbol Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Porklin, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like, early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. All right, and welcome back to The Balance. My name is Tom Marquisell, President. Hey, half hour into the books. Joining us now is Tyson Lautenschlager uh, from OnPitRoad.com and Steve Wilson, our official NASCAR contributor uh, to The Balance. Uh, are you with us, Steve? Yeah, I'm here with you. All right, and Tyson, are you with us? Yeah, I got you. All right, Roger that. We're ready to go. I'll tell you what. I, you know, I, I love having the fact that NASCAR has a very brief off season because now we could get back into, we could literally go uh, from the Super Bowl and the NFL back into NASCAR, and then we we got a, you know, a month or so before we get into some IndyCar talks. So we not, we just we just keep going with things. Now, uh, Steve, you're down in Daytona. Do I do I understand that to be correct? No, I won't be in Daytona until next weekend. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were there this weekend. My apologies. Okay. I, I should keep better track of your travel schedule there. <laughs> uh, but, Steve, uh, and we'll get to you here in just a second, Tyson. Uh, but, Steve, uh, well, welcome us into the uh, 2018 racing season. What's on deck? Well, NASCAR is already making changes for the competition side this year. There's really important as far as the damaged vehicle policy. Which they started last year, as most people know. Um, you know, teams, if they were damaged or, or you were involved in a, an incident on track, um, you know, they, they were be allowed to be taken to pit road. They could no longer go to the garage. And all work had to be completed on pit road, and there was a five minute clock for doing so. NASCAR has made two changes for that uh, damaged vehicle policy this year. The first thing is is that the five-minute clock has now been extended to six minutes. And the second thing that they've done this year is is that in 2017 for the damaged vehicle policy, if there was too many crew over the wall working on the vehicle during that during that damaged vehicle policy time on pit road. 
the car was automatically disqualified and sent to the garage. Well, this year they're no longer going to do that. If you have too many men or too many crew over the wall, there's going to be a two-lap penalty in which you're going to serve on pit road this year. So, you know, that that will allow some of these teams to be able to get back out there. You know, just mistakes happen, and, uh, you know, they've they've worked with people in the garage. They've worked with the teams. They've worked with their competition department. So they've had a lot of conversation in the offseason how to better uh, work this policy, and these are two changes that has occurred. The other big thing that they've got going on this year, which will affect all of the series in general, is that the – Teams are now only going to have five crew across the wall. They did away with one of the tire carriers this year, and they are going to only have one. First thing is there's only going to be one tire carrier going across the wall. And the second thing is is that the gas man is no longer allowed to perform any work on the car while, while performing fueling duties. So, you know, in the past you've seen them, you know, maybe carry a tire or push a tire back. Um, you know, put some wedge in the car, do things like that. Well, this year they're no longer allowed to do that any any longer. They've done so with uh, the reduction of the pit crew is they did this for safety, and they feel like that they can now, with the, the athleticism and the, the, the precision pit crews that are now going across the wall, that they want uh, to get more people off a pit road and let the crews do their job. So, you know, unfortunately for the teams, they're going to be down a tire carrier and the fuel man is no longer going to be able to perform any work on the car. But, you know, NASCAR has said that, you know, this is for safety. They want to get more people off pit road and anything that they can do to do so um, is a step in the right direction that they feel. So, you know, that that's something else that's going to change this year for the teams. And some teams are saying that, you know, in the past where we've seen 11, 12-second pit, uh, pit for our, you know, four tires and fuel, that this could potentially go up another two, two and a half seconds this year. Talking with Steve Wilson, uh, editor and publisher of Speedway Digest. Uh, joining us also, our favorite Canadian, Tyson Lautenschlager. Uh, Tyson from OnPitRoad.com. Tyson, you've uh, listened to a little bit of what uh, Steve has had to say. Also, want to get your thoughts of what, uh, on the new uh, rule and stuff and uh, what's going on into the 2018 NASCAR season. Go ahead, Tyson. Yeah, so I think the, the biggest thing um, that, that Steve had mentioned that's really going to um, uh, play a part this season, I think, uh, will be the damaged vehicle policy, which we're, as Steve said, we're seeing go from five minutes to six minutes. I think a big part of that reason is um, for cars that do have damage. At five minutes, it, it's not that it wasn't enough, but NASCAR was also recording the time that it takes to drive down pit road to get to your stall and then exit pit road. So that takes a chunk out of that five minutes. So adding that extra minute is really going to help these teams uh, repair their cars and actually be able to um, repair them on time, and and also the uh, uh, going too many men over the wall, which we saw kind of eliminated uh, Matt Kenseth from uh, championship contention last year. We won't see that play as much of a role. Obviously, as Steve said, there will be a two lap penalty, but it won't be a, as big a deal as being automatically disqualified and completely ending your chance to win the race or uh, even finish the race and get in the playoffs. Um, just because one guy accidentally went over the wall. 
Um, so I think these are good changes that NASCAR has implemented. Uh, I know there are a lot of fans who, in general, don't like this damage vehicle policy, but I think it is a good thing for the sport. You know, it's going to leave uh, these cars that really shouldn't be on the track after a while. It's going to leave them off the track. So hopefully um, the bugs that we saw with last year's damage vehicle policy get fixed this year with the, the new um, changes that have been made. And, and then I think the other big change uh, a lot of fans will be watching this series, the new uh, Chevy Camaro being brought into uh, the Cup Series. Obviously, they, they've been using the old body. Now they have the new body. And I think this is going to be a really big change for Chevy. The way we saw Toyota with their new Camry uh, last year, they tore up the competition. They were really, really strong all year. And I'm not saying Chevy's going to be as dominant as Toyota was in the, the closing stages of last year, but I think it's really going to help them improve. They had a, a really tough year um, with all of their teams, really. Hendrick uh, wasn't all that great, which we're used to seeing them compete very well. The only Hendrick driver who was competitive on a weekly basis was Chase Elliott. And I think maybe with this new body, uh, that could change this year. We're talking with Tyson Lautenschlager and uh, Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest. Guys, I want to get your thoughts on some news that broke this week, and I'm sure you guys are, are all over it. Uh, but LaJoy Witt and Witt to split the TriStar's uh, number 72 uh, Chevy uh, ride. Uh, TriStar Motorsports will continue to field uh, the number 72 entry in the Monster Energy NASCAR Series. However, the team announced Tuesday afternoon that the seat would be split uh, with the bulk of the races to be run uh, by 26-year-old Corey LaJoy and uh, who joins TriStar after a rookie season uh, with BK Racing. And then Cole Witt was the primary driver last season, uh, but has elected to decrease his racing commitments and has requested a limited schedule for 2018. First of all, we'll start with you, Jordan. What was the decision process for Cole Witt to do that? Is there a story behind that? And uh, also, what are your thoughts on this young uh, rookie, uh, Corey LaJoy? Uh, we, we have certainly seen some good things out of him, but to be quite honest with you, anyway, way uh as as a fan just uh, sitting back watching the race to me he's not let the world on fire we'll start with you uh tyson and then we'll go to you uh steve and if i just called you jordan i apologize that was not my fault <laughs> <laughs> that's all right go ahead Brad. Um, yeah so whole wit i think uh decreasing his schedule is a, a very interesting move and kind of a proactive move on his part it's going to allow him to um you know, kind of open up his schedule. Maybe he wants to do some Xfinity stuff. Maybe he wants to do some truck stuff. Maybe he wants to work on some family stuff. So it's um, a very interesting move by him. He's going to basically go down to, I would say, right now they have uh, Corey LaJoy's schedule at, I believe, 25 races, which leaves 11 races open. Um, but of those 11 races, uh, Corey LaJoy, basically, he tweeted his uh, schedule that he has for uh, – the upcoming year, and three races not on the schedule are the three plate race or the three um, road course races. So there is the possibility that maybe uh, Cole Witt could run all the 11 remaining races on the 72 schedule, or maybe they bring in a road ringer for those three races. So we should see probably Cole Witt driving about eight to 11 races in that car, and it's really kind of a shame he won't be full time because I think he did really great things with that team uh, last year, and I think Cole Witt. Um, maybe not a lot of fans see it, but he is extremely talented. He takes care of, uh, of, of really low-funded equipment and usually has uh, some speed to him. He has yet to finish in the top ten in a cup race, which is amazing to me because of how well he has done 
over the last several years. Um, so it really is a shame to see him not running full-time. But um, Corey LaJoy is going to be in better equipment this year than he was with DK Racing. Um, and, again, not a lot of fans might see this based on what he did in the Cup Series last year. He was kind of, um, he, I mean, driving for BK Racing, a lot of fans kind of don't pull for that team, and, and the drivers uh, didn't do too great last year. But Corey LaJoy has done some really great things in the Xfinity Series, driving for small teams. Like, you look at what he's done with JGL Racing over the last few years, and he's gotten a couple of top ten finishes with that small team in the Xfinity Series. I remember... Uh, I think it was probably 2016 at Dover. He finished sixth driving for that team, which is a really great performance. So maybe having better equipment this year with TriStar Motorsports could give him an opportunity to do really well. Steve, let's get your thoughts on this, uh, the, the split uh, between Cole Witt and uh, LaJoy uh, in the TriStar uh, number 72 Chevy. I mean, I'm going to echo most of uh, what Tyson had already said in, as far as LaJoy moving over and Cole Witt. The only thing that I can say is and add to this conversation is, is if we look back to LaJoy's season last year at uh, BK Racing, the the unfortunate part for him was is that he was caught up in a lot of incidents. Sometimes they were incidents of his own making and single-car racks. And the thing that Joe came throughout the year is, you know, not only is it the BK racing caution, but when is LaJoy going to, you know, wreck out of the race or do something that's going to bring us under caution? You know, whether that's, you know, I, I don't feel that's 100% his fault. I think it was some of the equipment that he was in at the same time. But, you know, um, you know, hopefully this year being over at a team like TriStar Motorsports, that he will be able to improve upon what he did last year, maybe not have those incidents or make those mistakes because he's got more of a veteran uh, crew around him over there. I know that there's been a lot of changes over at TriStar over the years, but they've been in the sport for many, many, many years. And Mark Smith's son that now runs that over there for them, I mean, he's been in the sport for his entire life. So, I mean, there's some veterans over there that could probably – you know, help him along the way. And I know that Corey LaJoy's dad was in the in the NASCAR series for, you know, just tons of years to go along with this. But, you know, I think he, you know, LaJoy's looking for a place where he can actually have some veteran status or some veteran status in the garage with the team, uh, even though they're, you've, they've kind of been on and off in the Monster Energy series, you know, throughout TriStar's entire, you know, career. Uh, I, I think that that brings a little bit more respect to around him and the team and also, you know, be able to improve upon what he uh, wasn't able to accomplish in 2017. You know, some of these cars are, you know, obviously going to be better cars. There's more uh, funding and more, um, you know, support from Toyota on that side. So, you know, they're going to be able to put together better cars that are going to be able to drive better for him on the track. And I think some of those incidents that he had last year will decrease at the same time. We're talking with Steve Wilson, editor and publisher of SpeedwayDigest.com and Tyson Lautenslager of OnPitRoad.com, talking about NASCAR back in the 2018 season. Guys, uh, we're, uh, we'll start with you, Steve. Uh, well, obviously, we're seeing cars at Daytona, the uh, the granddaddy of them all, the all-American race, if you will. Uh, certainly, Daytona is the Indianapolis 500 uh, for NASCAR. Uh, one of the big names that we'll see out there it, on the track uh, in, 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 as part of her retirement uh, uh, cycle, if, if you will, is uh, Danica Patrick. Um, 
And then also who we won't see in the car, uh, but in the broadcast booth this year is Dale Jr. So we'll start with you, Steve. Uh, what are your thoughts? What are some of the things and changes that we're looking for in NASCAR, the young, the old? And, uh, you know, uh, give us a preview of the 2018 Daytona 500. Well, I do think that we're seeing a, an incredible youth movement right now in the NASCAR with all of the drivers that are coming through. You look at Ryan Blaney that was there last year along with Chase Elliott for the last couple of years. Bubba Wallace is coming into the series this year. Uh, you've got William Byron, Alex Bowman. You know, just a lot of these guys are, you know, starting to come up into the series and starting to take over over the last couple of years. We've obviously seen a succession of drivers leave the sport. We've seen Tony Stewart leave. We've seen Dale Jr. leave. We've said Jeff Gordon leave. Uh, Matt Kenseth is without a ride this year, and he probably will not be back. Uh, so, you know, a lot of these, you know, old drivers or older drivers, you know, they're starting to, to uh, age out of the sport. You know, Jimmy Johnson, both Kevin Harvick, at the same time, they're in their 40s, so how much longer will they hang on into sport? They're both still pretty competitive, and I think that, you know, instead of just hanging around and riding in the back, um, they will, at some point in the next few years, as long as they're competitive, probably, you know, announce their retirement and get away from the sport. But, you know, uh, you know, it, it's really a time where NASCAR has done an incredible job with the NASCAR Next Series, the K&N Series, and some of these other series from the local racing on up and diversity series and all these different initiatives that they have right now to continue bringing a, a supply of drivers into the, support, uh, into the sport that are ready and they have star power and it just brings the next wave in. You know, you see a lot of these people that you have said that, you know, or initially said last year, oh, Dale Jr. is leaving the sport. I'm not going to watch anymore. And a lot of them are now saying, well, you know, I, I really like Chase Elliott. I like Chase Elliott's dad because, you know, I remember him in the sport. And you see a lot of those that, you know, uh, are just continuing, continuing that legacy within the sport. So I think you're seeing a lot of that right now with the youth movement. Uh, and I think it's a good thing because, you know, when you get to a point that, you know, a third of your field now is starting to begin to age out, especially some of the superstars, we're now seeing a new crop and a new set of superstars come into the sport and they're starting to make a name for themselves. So I think, you know, that that's definitely a good thing for the sport. That's a good thing for the competition at the same time. The one downside that I am seeing right now is that, unfortunately, we've only got 40 cars entered for the Daytona 500 next Sunday. And that's a full field for NASCAR since they've gone to the reduction of the field. But if you just look back just a couple of years ago, like about, I would say, three years ago in 2015, and even back to 2007, we were having 50 and 60 cars show up to this race. So, you know, there's no drama that's going to occur within pole and outside pole competition, you know, today, uh, tomorrow where some team may be able to make it in just because on their time or, you know, we get to the duels on Thursday and we've got teams that are, you know, mid to back markers or you even a team that just only builds a car to come to Daytona. You know, we're not seeing those things occur anymore. And I think that right now there's kind of a, a point in the sport where there, you know, these 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 charters. Or there's been a lot of talk about the charters this week just because of that fact um, that they're not creating the investment into the sport and they're not bringing anybody new into the sport. 
Talking with Steve Wilson, editor and publisher of Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor. Also, Tyson Lotzlager, our favorite Canadian uh, from onpitroad.com, gives us the call north of the border. But give us a call now is uh, Joe from Plainfield. Joe actually called in last week during the Super Bowl, and uh, he uh, sent me an email and said he, he wanted to give us a call and talk some racing today. Joe, are you with us? Yeah, hey, Tom, this is Joe from Plainfield. Uh you know, Hi Joe, welcome listener. back to the balance. How are? <laughs> Go ahead. Listener, second time caller. This is my second second time calling in. Just like you said. Um, happy to be back. Thanks for having me on again, Tom. Hey, you know what? I appreciate it. You came on last week and exhibited your knowledge of Super Bowl, and you sent me an email said you wanted to talk some racing. I said, hey, we're kicking off our racing segment. We'll give, we'll give you a moment to talk with our experts about racing. So go right ahead, sir. The floor is all yours. Yeah, hey, you know, uh, something that's been talked about uh, a little bit already on the show, things are always changing. You know, you got – you got some real veteran drivers that are retiring. Uh, you got some new folks that are coming in and, and hopefully are going to shake things up. Um, as Steve said, you know, maybe some folks are, are going to be hesitant to watch. I hope that's not the case. You know, uh, NASCAR, I think, is timeless. But, you know, we do have folks like Lightning McQueen that are retiring, uh, <laughs> passing the ranks off to, uh, you know, the, to folks <laughs> like Chris Ramirez and Jackson Storm. I, personally, I can't abide Jackson Storm, but I, I do think that Chris Ramirez is, is very promising. Um, all joking aside, though, um, you know, this – the the – the whole AI situation with NASCAR, you know, uh, and, and emerging technologies, do we have to worry about AI taking over the the driver's seat and uh, kind of taking over NASCAR? Or, or do, do we think that those positions are always going to be filled by human beings? <laughs> Joe, from Plainfield, I appreciate your call. Will I answer that? AI obviously is an acronym for artificial intelligence, uh, which is what is used in these self-driving cars. And uh, certainly Lightning McQueen uh, reference uh, there as well. Joe, you have yourself a good day. We'll certainly address your topics. Have a good day. Uh, Steve, uh, Tyson, uh, Tyson, you're up. you got to bail us out of this, man. You, you, you landed right into this question. Uh, <laughs> go right ahead, Tyson. <laughs> so the, the thing that I find interesting about that, um, well, first of all, Cars 3 is a great movie. Uh, I'll put that out there. But with the, the AI thing, um, we're seeing that with Formula E. They're, they're working on their driverless car series. But the problem is, and I love Formula E. I think it's a really entertaining series to watch. Um, but the, the driverless cars, I don't think it would work, especially not in NASCAR, because you just you won't have fans that are going to be willing to watch that. The thing that we love about NASCAR is we love, about, we love watching the, the personalities race, and, and you're not going to see that in a, a driverless car series. You can't. It's kind of hard to cheer for someone that isn't, you know, real or something that someone you can't relate for, relate to. So um, I don't, I don't think we would see anything like that come into NASCAR and actually succeed. 
Tyson, uh, we're going to get back on track here with the Daytona 500. I appreciate you answering uh, uh, and addressing uh, Joe from Plainfield's uh, call. Uh, he uh, apparently creeps up out of nowhere from from, t- from now to then, but uh, glad that, that Joe is a loyal uh, listener. Uh, Daytona 500, uh, what, what are your outlooks? What are your X's and O's looking at the uh, Daytona 500 uh, 2018? Well, I think um, just as Steve mentioned, you know, we only have 40 cars, so we uh, everybody who has entered in the race is going to race, um, which is kind of strange uh, compared to years past. Like the last time, uh, I, I think I was reading the last time this happened was in um, the early 70s or late 60s that, that there were no DNQs for the Daytona 500. So um, really kind of a strange thing that we're seeing, but and I think you can blame the charters, but we're also seeing this in other um, racing series. The Indianapolis 500, someone hasn't gone home in, in quite a few years now. It's just, it's where we're at. And, and I mean, I think maybe we'll get back to the point in a few years where we're seeing um, people um, miss the race and maybe, uh, you know, upwards of 45 cars for the Daytona 500. But right now we, we do have um, a full field, which is great. Uh, and I think it'll be interesting to watch the duels because it'll be interesting to see what those small teams do. They don't have to fight to get in the race now. So are they going to uh, back down and, and maybe even start and park in the duels or just, you know, stay out of the draft. And there is still a point to the duels this year. Obviously the top 10 in uh, each, um, each race are going to be awarded points uh, similar to the way that we do stage points. So uh, that's one thing that I'll be watching for the, in the, before the Daytona 500 and, uh, of course, watching the the young drivers because we are kind of seeing a, a young versus old at this point. We only have a few um, elder statesmen, I guess, left in the Cup Series. We have uh, Kurt Busch, Jamie McMurray, Jimmy Johnson, Kevin Harvick, Ryan Newman. Those are probably your your oldest drivers left, and and most everyone else is kind of in the middle. We're really young. We're seeing a lot of these young guys come up. Uh, particularly, you look at Hendrick Motorsports and. And, and Ryan Blaney, Daniel Suarez, um, Eric Jones. So it'll be interesting to watch how they uh, do both in the Daytona 500 and throughout the year. I think we're going to see some of the, those guys really surprise us. And I think we're going to see maybe a number of first-time winners this year. Steve Wilson of uh, Speedway Digest says, Steve, I'm glad that you uh, didn't get landed with the question from uh, Joe from Plainfield. But, uh, uh, Steve, we, we, we gotta, we're getting close to the end of our racing segment here, and obviously we're going to increase our, our chatter with uh, NASCAR as the season goes along. Uh, but uh, what are your, some of your final words of wisdom as we look into the 2018 NASCAR racing season? Well, I I think it's interesting to the fact that, you know, we've got some clash practice today and some other things going on today, but we're really not going to get, as drivers said, we're really not going to get a full field of drivers out there doing bump drafting practice like they've done in the past until we get to the duels. Um, The other thing is, is that it's interesting that the motor that they're using for the Daytona 500 is also the motor that they used last year at Talladega. So I'm wondering how much that's going to come and play into the concerns of, you know, throughout the race, you know, through the duels and the race and, you know, other things that are going on. Traditionally, NASCAR has always allowed uh, teams to go and change the motor out after the uh, duels on Thursday, but this isn't allowed this year. There's a penalty for going to the back. Um, You know, they're trying to get to the point where they're using engines, uh, the long block at multiple events to save some costs. 
Um, I, unfortunately, I don't think the Daytona 500 was the one that we should try this at. Maybe next week at Atlanta or something like that. But, you know, this is too big of a race to could potentially have concerns of engine problems. Now, whether that's going to happen, I think a lot of the engine suppliers are feeling good about this. But, uh, you know, in light of what Elmore has done in the last couple of years of using their engines in multiple events, uh, you know, I, I think we're going to have to get to a point where we're using a common supplier before we start testing some of these things out. But, you know, if they're feeling good, I think that uh, we'll just have to wait and see how this pans out and how many engines may expire throughout the Daytona 500, especially after being used last year and then throughout the entire speed weeks. 917-889-8516 is our digits. We're talking NASCAR. We do have a real serious caller this time. Uh, Chris, uh, you have a, a question for our racing experts. Go ahead, sir. I'm not a, uh, I guess, real serious viewer of, of uh, racing, but I do like to watch from, from time to time, um, certainly. My question is, um, just kind of in terms of the differences in racing styles, are there different strategies in NASCAR to be successful um, versus IndyCar or uh, Formula One? What are kind of the, you know, what are the different strategies? How do you play things out um, in, in order to be successful in NASCAR versus, you know, say IndyCar or uh, F1. We appreciate your call. We'll get we'll get to the answer to that. Uh, we'll start with you, Tyson, and then we'll get the answer from uh, Steve uh, from Speedway Digest uh, before we have to wrap up the segment. Go ahead, Tyson. Yeah, I think the the big um, difference. And I was kind of well while he was asking this, I was trying to think how how do I answer this, and I think the big difference right now, especially from last year between NASCAR and IndyCar and Formula One, any type of racing series, is that the strategy is so different because we're racing for points in in a totally different way. The way that we award points, we're doing this in stages. We have three stages in the race, and each stage, if you finish in the top ten, is going to award points. You also get um, playoff points for a win that will go towards the playoffs, which, of course, NASCAR is the only uh, major racing series as a playoff. So you really have to think uh, more in, in being up front all the time. And, and I mean, I guess you do in, in Formula One because it's very hard to pass in, in that series. And, and IndyCar uh, on a road or street course can be the same thing. But um, with NASCAR, we're, we're getting those points each race. We're getting in multiple times in the race you can get points. And I think that's a big thing. You have to strategically think, uh, of when you're going to pit uh, in order to, you know, get to a point in the stage where you can uh, be awarded points. So I think that's the big thing is just always being up front and always being aware of where you are um, because it's going to uh, directly affect your outcome at the end of the race and how many points you scored. Steve from uh, Speedway uh, Digest, uh, editor-in-chief of, of uh, SpeedwayDigest.com, our official NASCAR contributor. We'll let you uh, give the final answer uh, to our caller here, and then we've got to wrap up the segment. But go right ahead, sir. Well, NASCAR has one of the longest seasons out there. We we span about 40 weeks in and out uh, across the country. So 
longevity and I know consistency has come into play a couple different times, but, you know, there has to be some kind of consistency in this. Uh, you know, it's also the endurance factor of these events. When you take a look at uh, NASCAR events that run four, five, six hundred miles every single weekend, comparatively speaking, to <clears throat> excuse me, to something like Formula One, which is you know a third of the event. You know, even some of these IndyCar races, they're the same distance. There's all kinds of performance factors, endurance factors that you have to be aware of in, in NASCAR adverse to other series out there. Um, And then you've just got so many moving parts and pieces as far as, you know, between the teams, Um, you know, the rules that, you know, with the damaged car policy that could potentially put you out of an event. And some of the other um, things that go into NASCAR that, you know, we're just not seeing into other racing series. So I think, you know, at the end of the day, it's, you know, you, it's hard to compare stock car racing or even NASCAR racing to others and just, you know, it's some sort of consistency as well as being mindful of the rules that could potentially put you out at the end of the day and the endurance factor. You know, these, these car drive, race car drivers are athletes across all series, you know, especially in what they do to go out there and perform on a weekly basis. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just something that we've seen over the years that, you know, and, endurance and athleticism not only on the crews but on the drivers themselves um you know are starting to increase across the board and you have to have a little bit of both in order to get behind the wheel as well as just pure driving ability steve wilson uh, editor-in-chief of speedway digest tyson lautenschlager of onpitroad.com uh, joins us uh, for our, our weekly uh racing segment uh talking daytona and outlook into nascar 2018 steve where can people find your work and your masterpieces sir you can follow us at Speedway Digest on Twitter, Facebook.com, forward slash Speedway Digest, and SpeedwayDigest.com. Thank you, Steve. We appreciate you coming on, and we look forward to a great 2018 season uh, talking with you about NASCAR. Thanks. Have a good one. You too, buddy. Tyson Lautenschlager of OnPitRoad.com, our favorite Canadian, gives us a call talking NASCAR as well. Where can people find your work and your masterpieces, sir? Yeah, of course, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at TysonLot23 uh, and follow uh, OnPitRoad on Twitter at OnPitRoad. Like them on Facebook, OnPitRoad.com on Facebook and OnPitRoad.com on the interweb. So you can always go follow us there. I appreciate it. Tyson, you have yourself a good uh, weekend, and we'll talk with you again soon. Thanks. You too. Tyson Lautenschlager on pitroad.com, and Steve Wilson, our official NASCAR contributor, joins us in talking with us about the uh, upcoming 2018 season of NASCAR. Certainly Daytona cars are on the track, and uh, we had some uh, IndyCar action uh, yesterday in Phoenix. Uh, We'll get all that information up on Twitter. Coming up next, though, we're going to be doing a recap of the NFL, uh, and we're going to be getting into our second hour uh, with uh, Ed Kratz, uh, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, and our official NFL contributor Rick Riggin, our college football contributor, and Grant Astiff uh, gives us a call again from Arizona State, going to be talking with us about this Josh McDaniels and Indianapolis Colts debacle. We'll be right back right here on the Ballast Radio Network. Thank you. 
Bobby, you're here again. Yeah, my doctor told me to reduce stress at work, so I come to Buffalo Wild Wings to eat lunch and watch sports. I get to pick one of seven entrees, like sandwiches and salads, plus one of seven sides. Well, I like sides. It's so affordable, I can finally take a vacation. Where are you going to go? Here, Tim, here. Introducing the new beat-up fast-break lunch menu, starting at a new low price. Dine-in or order takeout weekdays between 11 and 2. Participation and availability may vary. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. See the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive-through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Symbol Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like, early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Welcome back to The Balance. My name is Tom Mark with El Presidente. 917-889-8516 is our digits. Uh, thanks to uh, Tyson Lautenschlager uh, from OnPitRoad.com, our favorite Canadian, giving us a call from north of the border, and Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest, uh, our official NASCAR contributor, giving us an outlook of what's going on in the 2018 NASCAR season. Well, guys, it's time to wrap it up, put a bowl on it, and do a recap. We are standing by for Ed Kratz, uh, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and our official NFL contributor. But joining us also is Rick Riggin, our college football contributor and all-around great guy, and also a guy that we got introduced to last week, and that is uh, Grant Asif, uh, and I probably butchered that last name again. Grant, I apologize for that, uh, joins us as well. Guys, so so first of all, before we uh, get into – 
really the topic at hand, which is Josh McDaniels leaving the Indianapolis Colts at the altar. Let's talk about that great Super Bowl uh, between the Philadelphia Eagles and the New England Patriots. Uh, and, um, you know, certainly uh, one for the record books. I've seen a lot of Super Bowls. I'm an old man. But I would have to say that's probably one of the best Super Bowls we've ever seen. Go right ahead, Rick. Hey, Tom. Uh wouldn't you agree that that kind of thought that college football game and how exciting it was, you know, really lack of defense for both teams, uh, really high scoring, uh, really exciting. To me, it felt like a college game. You're right. I, I've heard I've heard that reference a, a lot of uh, in a, in, from a, a different people and certainly a lot on on uh, social media. Grant, what were, what were your thoughts? Grant, are you with us, buddy? Well, it shows that he's there. <laughs> oh, my bad. My uh, my microphone was wasn't on. I apologize. Um, <laughs> Tom is sorry. Tom you that three times a week. <laughs> yeah, Tom is at least that yeah. three times a week. <laughs> at least, absolutely. Go 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 right ahead, Grant. Well, um, I think uh, it was really entertaining how aggressive Philadelphia was. Like they just kept attacking and attacking. And yeah, I, I definitely felt like it was like a college game because you don't, you don't really see that, especially at like the biggest stage. It was it was pretty uh, pretty entertaining. Now, Grant, I know that uh, you're a college student now at Arizona State, so I appreciate you getting up early this morning and giving us a call. Uh, I know that you also uh, do some uh, writing about the the Indiana Pacers uh, for at Indy Coverage. Uh, certainly, uh, you're an editor of Original Tunes website, uh, columnist for uh, Kokomo Tribune, uh, and I know you do a lot of uh, work for uh, IndianaSportsCoverage.com. Uh, so thank you for giving us a call from out there in the Tempe. Uh, so we we look at what's going on here with uh, Josh McDaniels. It's a huge story. It's really got a lot of national legs. Uh, you know, uh, every national show out there that I can think of has been talking about it. Clay Travis, Dan Patrick, um, uh, Mike and – I mean, Golik and Trey, whatever it's called now. And so, uh, you know, certainly a lot of the national media attention. And, you know, based here in Indianapolis, I've seen a lot of the local media attention. So we've been able to see both sides of the fence, both national and local. Uh, but I think we can sum it up. And I said it in my opening dialogue, hold your ears if you get offensive by, by words. But I think Josh McDaniels was a bitch when it came to this. Go right ahead, sir. I think uh, the opinions are pretty much unanimous. Uh, I think I only saw one person uh, actually in uh, agreement and thinking that it was an okay decision to make. And yeah, like it's it's pretty interesting. Like there's not really many stories in sports where the local, national, and like the fans are all almost in complete agreement with how that whole thing went down. It's pretty like weird to see how uh, at the NFL level you can assemble a coaching staff for the most part. I mean, he had like three or four pieces and a defensive coordinator as well in there and not even really give them, a, you know, a comfortable notice about, you know, backing out or anything like that. I feel like there should be some sort of a rule change or something because I don't think that, that's really fair to the – the new personnel being added or the NFL organization. 
You know, I absolutely agree with you. And here's here's the thing, though. Uh, I think there's so many, and, and I mentioned this in, in my uh, in my opening monologue. I think there's so many hands to that they get blamed. You've got Josh McDaniels, number one. You've got the Indianapolis Colts, number two. You've got the local media here, number three. Uh, and we'll break all of those down individually. But at the end of the day, Josh McDaniels really is, no matter what they said here locally, signed, sealed, and delivered. It was never signed, was never sealed, and it was, certainly was never delivered. Uh, Rick Riggin, thoughts on Josh McDaniels uh, leaving the Indianapolis Colts at the altar? Yeah, and to me, it just kind of feels like career suicide because he'll never get a job offer anywhere else in the NFL. So if the Patriots, for some reason or another, just don't hand him the keys of the castle when Belichick leaves, uh, then what's he going to do? Because I don't think he'll ever get a shot. And then on the other side of that, does this really speak to what what's uh, the, the state of the union, I guess I would say, uh, of Andrew Luck and the Colts? I mean, what kind of shape? Is Andrew Luck really in? Is he going to need another surgery? Is he going to be playing this year? Like, how bad is he? Can he play again? Uh, does, does it speak uh, on, on what's going on in Indianapolis with Andrew uh, with Andrew Luck and the Colts? Here's the thing, and there's a lot to unpack here. And, and one of the things what I will say to you is this. Yes, it's unfortunate that there has to be the situation with the coordinators, and you know they're just going to have to get on the same page. The Indianapolis Colts signed them to a contract; they're they're binding by that contract. They're going to keep them employed. So the ne- the next coach is just going to have to be all in, as 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 Chris Ballard said, he's going to have to be all in. And and part of being all in is understanding that Josh uh, McDaniels screwed everything up and so we just got to deal with it and that's what's going to have to happen and i think i think that everybody's professionals in this in this industry uh maybe now except for josh mcdaniels uh but so i think everybody can find a way to work together it may not have been their top choice uh for a um offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator uh but at the end of the Indianapolis Colts have them under contract. They're going to stay employed by the Indianapolis Colts. Now, let's talk a little bit about Andrew Luck and his shoulder. Okay, uh, you know, if we're to believe everything that's been told to us, and I, I don't know that we can or should, but we're going to. I'm going to. I know a lot of people, based on last season, are saying, no, I I'm not sure that I believe what's coming out of the Indianapolis Colts' mouth. I'll believe it when I see it type scenario. Uh, but he's not throwing footballs, but he is throwing. Okay, he is with the specialist now. So there is reason to believe that Andrew Luck is going to be fine. We won't know if he needs another surgery until he gets out there and he gets to, to playing and throwing footballs. We just won't know. It's just an unknown factor. So that should have no bearing on whether or not a coach comes to the Indianapolis Colts. Again, what Chris Ballard says, you have to be all in. If you're going to come to the Indianapolis Colts and you're going to be our head coach, you have to be all in. All in is with or without Andrew Luck. So let's take Andrew Luck out of the, the equation. As great as we'd like to say that he's our savior, guess what? If he, if, he, if he can't come back, if he has to have another surgery, if his career ends, it doesn't really matter. We have to go out there and play football with whoever that we have, and the coach has to be bought into that. So to me, the factor of it, and the Andrew Luck factor, is a non-factor when it comes uh, to the Indianapolis Colts coaching decision. Now, now, certainly, and then when we look at Josh McDaniels never being employed again, maybe, you know, to me, I think the, the biggest nod here was they, they, they pretty much gave him more money. They, they, they went to him and said, hey, here's the thing. You're the heir apparent. You're the heir apparent to Bill Belichick. It might be one year. It might be two years. It might be five years. But you're the heir apparent. 
So to him, he doesn't really care if he gets another job anywhere else. And, you know, I don't know that you want to follow Bill Belichick. Who really wants to do that? Who, who really wants to, to follow a, a, a dynasty icon? And you don't know how much longer you're going to have Tom Brady. Uh, so he might very well might flop. I think the NFL is very forgiving. I think uh, it, in time, uh, especially when it comes to teams, yeah, they'll, they'll get over this. They'll get over this. He'll work somewhere. If if not always with the with the with the New England Patriots, uh, we'll circle back around uh, to you, Grant. We are standing by uh, for Ed Kratz. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what's going on with him, but we'll try to get him on. If not, we will just continue on moving uh, the train. Uh, go go ahead, Grant. We'll continue your thoughts with uh, Joshua Daniels and the Indianapolis Colts. I think uh, an interesting like component of the situation regarding like Andrew Luck's status is that. You know, it was always known that it was not going to really be known until he started throwing footballs. And then when you take him out of the equation, as you you were saying, he also would have a familiar face in Jacoby Brissett as his quarterback, who they've each spoken highly of each other. They're very familiar with each other. And with, uh, you know, with an improved supporting cast, with more time to throw the football, with uh, better receivers to make plays, and uh, compliment T.Y. Hilton, there's no reason to believe that he can't, you know, at least be an above-average starting quarterback in time. And uh, with familiarity, that should only help, right? Well, absolutely. And I think that it'll, it'll, it'll all come together. It'll all mesh together. I don't think that there's any reason to panic at this point as far as the quarterback situation, the quarterback roles. And, I, and we're going to talk about here in just a minute the top candidates for the Indianapolis Colts. We'll kind of break down those candidates, at least the top three that we're, that we're, that we're looking at and uh, see uh, what our thoughts are on that. Uh, uh, Rick, go ahead. Uh, any more thoughts on Josh McDaniels uh, declining uh, the, the Indianapolis Colts uh, head coaching job. Uh, you know nothing that's more than what's already been beat to death all week. I'm just uh, really for me. I'm just more interested in really what the state of the Colts is, uh, yeah, and how Andrew's uh, luck really is not luck health. Andrew Luck's health really is, and uh, I know the popular thing in Indy right now is when the draft comes up is go after Saquon Barkley, but a new head coach might evaluate uh, Andrew Luck and really might want to push for a quarterback there because if Andrew is supposed to be the future, but, yeah, he's not really the future anymore because if he comes back and plays and whatever his 100% is now when he comes back isn't going to be the 100% that he was playing with two years ago. You know what I mean? So if he does come back, how does he look on the field? Is he able to come back? And, you know, the Colts have an interesting decision, even after getting a new head coach. Uh, coming up in the draft. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, certainly, you know, you're you're not going to see the Colts draft a quarterback. That's just not going to happen. There's just – I can't see in any way possible – that that that's that that's going to happen, and yeah, we 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 are concerned about what's going to happen with the draft. I, I certainly think that we need to look at at some of our uh, defensive linemen. Chubb from North Carolina State, I think, is an ideal one. We need to have somebody in place to protect Andrew Luck. Uh, but uh, you know, we we got that kid from Penn State too, also to take a look at. Let's take a look at some of the uh, top candidates that are being thrown around. My personal favorite, so we'll start with him, is Frank Reich from over at the Philadelphia Eagles, the offensive coordinator there. 
excuse me, obviously he not only did he just lead the Philadelphia Eagles to the Super Bowl, but he's also a a former uh, coach and player, and he's also he was also a former quarterbacks coach to Peyton Manning, uh, and he's very familiar with Jim Mersey. He's been here, he's done that. He's very familiar with the Indianapolis Colts. I like uh, Frank Reich. Another name is is uh, being floated around is Jim Bob Cooter, uh, Bruce Arians, of course. That's that's a natural. Uh, David Shaw uh, from out at Stanford, uh, Daryl Bevel uh, from the, the uh, Seahawks offensive coordinator, uh, Gary Kubak, uh, former uh, Broncos uh, coach, uh, Jack, uh, Jack Del Rio, former Raider, Raiders coach, uh, Dave Taub. Obviously, that name's been t- tossed around, but I haven't heard much about him here recently. And, of course, uh, which I hope that this is just talk, and that's Jeff Fisher. Those are the top ten names that people are talking about to replace uh, Chuck Pagano. Uh, and so, so certainly the Indianapolis Colts were thrown into a tailspin. I like Frank Reich. We'll start with you, Grant. Who, you, who do you think that the Indianapolis Colts should be focusing in on, and what have you heard that maybe uh, who, who, who will land with it? The, the thought pattern is that we'll know by no later than Tuesday morning who the next head coach is going to be. Go ahead, uh, uh, Grant. I think another name to uh, throw into the mix, not that I believe this would be a, the best of options, but Leslie Frazier has an interview coming up with the Colts for that head coaching spot, according to uh, Ian Rappaport. Uh, I, I agree with you. I think uh, Frank Reich is would be my top option. You know, you want, I, I think, an offensive mind because, you know, you could potentially have a quarterback like an Andrew Luck in addition to having a potential – top talent in the draft like Saquon Barkley whether of course they decide to draft him or not but having someone who has familiarity with the organization would be would be good especially during a time with uh, you know uncertainty and turmoil in regards to the previous uh, candidate not that the organization is in turmoil or anything but like probably helps right the ship um, you know with having coordinator a coordinator already in there and other members of the staff in there so I think Frank Reich would probably be my uh, my top option. Rick Riggin, uh what are your thoughts on the next head coach of the Indianapolis Colts? We're going to stop talking about Josh McDaniels. We're going to be talking about the next head coach of of uh, the Indianapolis Colts. You, you certainly, we tossed out those uh, top ten names uh, that are being tossed around and looked at and interviewed. Uh, again, my favorite, and, and also Grant apparently, is uh, uh, Frank Reich, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles. And I'm right there with you guys. I think that's a great choice. I think he is the top guy. And the only thing is, you know, Philly's bringing back 19 of the 22 guys that just won the Super Bowl. So if he wants to stay on and go for it again, and, you know, that's really the obstacle that uh, Indianapolis has with Frank Reich. But I'm there with you. But I know one name you could take off the list is Jim Bob Cooter because he just re-signed with the, to stay on with the Lions, the offensive coordinator, uh, Matt Patricia is uh, keeping him in Detroit. So uh, that's one name off the list, even though he probably wasn't a candidate anyway. I know, Tommy, and you talked about this over the phone a few days ago that, you know, Jim Bob Cooter did interview for the Lions once they fired uh, Jim Caldwell. Uh, he's probably looked at other head coaching jobs, but he's staying in Detroit as the offensive coordinator. But I'm with you guys. Uh, it's uh, I think Frank Reich is, Reich is the uh, top candidate. 
Well, there you go. We've got it settled. Uh, I'll get on the phone with Chris Ballard right after the show and let him know that that's who he needs to hire, and then we'll move uh, forward. And we'll have a press conference on Monday introducing uh, uh, Frank Wright. <laughs> if only it was that easy. If only it was that easy. 917-889-8516 is our digits. If you want to call, talk some NFL. Uh, Rick is our official college football contributor, uh, certainly all-around great guy calling us from Evansville, Indiana. So let's talk about uh, the college signing day. Clearly the winner of college signing day part uh, because, you know, you've got the early signing day, then you've got the other signing day, which we just had. Uh, but uh, those, uh, George, uh, you got you got you to gotta think that, again, uh, 10 SEC and ACC recruiting notes after signing day, uh, led by Kirby Smart finding Georgia's highest uh, uh, gear. Uh, you know, so uh, Georgia certainly was the winner of uh, uh, signing day. What are your thoughts, Rick? Yeah, what he's doing in, in Georgia is impressive, and, He's basically taken the Nick Saban model and brought it to, to Georgia. Uh, they're going to be sticking around for a long time. Uh, you know, we're, we're so sick of seeing Alabama in a national title game. Well, it's starting to look like a get ready to be sick of Georgia before too long. So, you know, I'm sure they're probably saying the same things about Notre Dame in the 60s and 70s. You know, I'm tired of seeing this team always win. Uh, it looks like the power shift is uh, in play here. Now in the SEC, it's shifting towards Georgia because Bama only brought in the uh, the fifth or sixth best cl- best class, which is unbelievable. It's you know, I'd, I'd be super happy with a class like that but after seeing Bama be number one every year, and now they've only brought in fifth or sixth best best class this season. Uh, it really speaks to what Kirby Smart is doing. Probably stealing some players away that would normally choose Bama, now choosing uh, Georgia. So. The power shift is uh, in play, and I think we're going to see Georgia for a long time. I, I totally agree with you. Uh, Grant, uh, what are your thoughts on signing day 2018? Um, I haven't been able to follow it too closely, but I think Georgia, their class, you know, like it, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in the SEC, as, uh, as was just mentioned. Um, I believe uh, – in terms of the uh, Indiana schools, um, you know, it, it's been pretty uh, – like, I, I think Notre Dame, they also had a strong class. But I, I don't really think, you know, I have yeah, too were, much uh, valuable insight to uh, to provide outside of that. They, they finished you know the eighth-best class. Finished the eighth-best class this year, and, and that really speaks a lot to uh, Brian Kelly's done a hell of a job. Uh, he's a great recruiter. He's done a hell of a job. And what a 10-win season well, actually does, after finishing 4-8 and eight and then flipping to a 10-win season this year, that just speaks uh, a lot to what that does for a recruit. Notre Dame finishing with a, the, the uh, eighth-best class, or top-10 class for the Irish. I'm super happy about that. I think that's great. That's one of his highest and best classes he ever had. And he's bringing in one of the best quarterbacks out of high school in with this class and Phil Jerkovec. So I'm ready. I can't wait to see him. And uh, I think you're right. But super excited about that uh, uh, top eight class from Notre Dame. Well, absolutely. How the gauntlet has changed uh, there at Notre Dame. We went from, hey, uh, you know, uh, what what has happened to Notre Dame uh, to, hey, uh, 
what has happened in Notre Dame? So, uh, yeah, a great job by, by Notre Dame and their recruitment as well. You know, I won't say the honeymoon period is over down in, in Gainesville or Knoxville, but certainly a heavy dose of, of uh, patience is going to be needed uh, because the top talent gap between Georgia and its two biggest division rivals uh, has been as big as it's been in 40 years. Georgia signed uh, more uh, four- and five-star recruits in the last two years than Florida and Tennessee did combined, uh, 36 to be exact. Uh, Georgia has signed four and five uh, recruits in the last – I'm sorry. Georgia has signed four more five-star uh, recruits in the last two classes, uh, 42, than uh, Florida's 37 or Tennessee's 39 uh, in the last four years. Georgia's roster is uh, uh, several years uh, recruiting ahead of the Gators and, and the Volunteers. Uh, you know, So I tell you what, we're just going to have to live and abide inside the SEC. It looks like the SEC is going to be national championships for a long time to come, Rick. Well, with me on that, uh, to me there's not much difference between a five-star and a three-star. I mean, there really isn't. You know, one guy ran the 40-yard dash in 4-2, and the three-star ran it in 4-3-7. You know, so it's something like it's really splitting hairs between a five-star and three-star. You really just don't know until you get them out in the field and in big-game situations and how they're going to play and how they're going to react. And there's injuries that come along uh, along the way you know, during the course of the season and the practices because it's, it's really grinding. So, to me, there's not much difference between the three-star and the five-star. I know that's how they grade the uh, classes for teams and, and rank them, you know, best class down to worst class, I guess. But to me, there's not much difference between three-star and five-star. Talk about National Signing Day with Rick Riggin, our, our college football analyst, Grant Asliff. Uh, who's given us a call uh, from out at, uh, out at the Tempe, Arizona University, Arizona State University, certainly studying uh, sport journalism and does his share of uh, uh, contributing writing to various uh, uh, Indianapolis media outlets. Joining us now, Mo from the BS Sports Show. Mo, I want to back up a little bit and get your thoughts on this bitch move. Uh, I'm sorry, that's just the, the the only way that I can describe it. I by uh, Josh McDaniels, and you know maybe we didn't want him after all, and and uh, Chris. Ballard, I think, really did a great job at the press conference, uh, took ownership where ownership was needed to be taken, and said, hey, we made mistakes, you know, but hey, we're moving forward, and we want somebody that's that's all in, and maybe always our our, our first choice isn't always the best choice, and I think that was very, very uh, clear, uh, in the, and then he also ended the press conference with saying the rivalry's back on. I, I mean, I think there's always been a rivalry. You can, you can talk about the wins and losses and not di- dictating the rivalry, but at the end of the day, uh, the Indianapolis Colts and the New England Patriots absolutely hate each other, and uh, Josh McDaniels left the Indianapolis Colts standing at the altar. What say you, sir? Yeah, I mean, the, the thing about the whole thing is, is honestly, it was a dumb move by Josh McDaniels. Uh, his agent dropped him. I, I don't – you have assistant coaches that you've hired and moved their families and left their other jobs. Uh, the thing about it, though, is at the end of the day, it, it's another bad move that makes the Colts look uh, just terrible. Uh, with their front office moves, especially over the last four to five years. Uh, you know, and now there was a report out that there's possibly that Jim Mercer and Chris Ballard aren't on the same page when it comes to who they want to hire as the next head coach, to where uh, Jim Mercer really wants uh, and is really a proponent of Leslie Frazier, uh, whereas uh, Chris Ballard has a, a different favorite. So it's just, it, it looks terrible. Uh, the whole way they dealt with Andrew Luck last year uh, looks terrible. It's just a, another misstep for this Colts front office. And I, I, it's uh, really making me wonder what uh, what the hell's going on over there at the Colts complex because I, I don't think 
uh, that uh, this organization has looked good uh, in a light in the last couple of years. It's uh, it's a it's a front office that's in desperately need of uh, somebody to come in and steady the franchise and somebody that I think that the fans can believe in again. So uh, right now, the, the press conference was great, and you needed a strong press conference after this debacle. But uh, now is what really I guess is going to matter, and that you make the right hire and not just uh, are, are reaching to get somebody in there. It's uh, it's not a good look for the Colts. You know, we talked a little bit about some of the names that were tossed around uh, for the uh, next head coach. We, we talked about Campbell and, and uh, uh, Frank Reich, I, th- I think, is the, the most uh, popular one that we, we ha- came into an agreement with is uh, Frank Reich, offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles. I like him a lot uh, for a lot of reasons. One, he, he was a quarterback coach for Peyton Manning. And uh, he said recently in an interview that he learned more from Peyton Manning than he has from anybody, and again, it, one of the we one could arguably say one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, uh, and so he was a, he was a coach to uh, Peyton Manning. He is familiar with the Colts organization, and I just think talking about that good fit, I think that that would be a good fit. What are your thoughts on the next head coach of the Indianapolis Colts? Well, I mean, you know, with Frank Reich having history with Peyton Manning, history with the Colts, I think it would be a good fit, but. The question's got to be why didn't he, well, he wasn't even talked to to uh, to begin with? It's just uh, the, I think Campbell would be a good choice as well. I, I don't like the uh, I don't like the thought of Leslie Frazier being the head coach. Uh, it's just uh, it's frustrating uh, as a Colts fan and somebody who covers the Colts uh, for this continuing to happen. It, it's great uh, you know it's great for my job because I can talk about uh, how terrible this has been for the last uh, you know. A couple of years, but it's uh, it, again, it's not a good look. Uh, Frank Reich is probably will be the leader in the clubhouse, but according to a couple of reports, uh, you know, Ballard wants uh, wants Campbell and 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 Ursay wants uh, Frazier. So the guy that could be the best choice and the most popular choice might not even be the choice. So uh, hopefully, we don't have another rift in the front office. But you never know; that could be the case. We're talking with Mo from BS Sports Show, Rick Riggin, our college football analyst, all-around good guy, and uh, Grant Asif had given us a call from the Tempe out in Arizona. Let's shift gears to guys, and we're going to get into more talk about this each and every week now. We are getting into college basketball talk, March Madness. You know, we're going to start with a guy out in Arizona, Arizona State, uh, certainly making a good showing, as they always do uh, in, in the NCAA uh, basketball. Uh, what are your thoughts about the uh, – uh, state of the of the uh, Arizona, if you will. Go ahead, Ed. Grant. I think uh, you know. Obviously, uh, for people who paid attention early on, we noticed Arizona State climb all the way up to the three spot, and uh, they've really fallen off since. I feel like you know, not to get into too much detail about them, but um, you know, I really feel like they're they're led by their their uh, senior backcourt and early on they played them almost the entirety of games and now they're just I feel like they've been running to the ground for the most part and they don't really have those complementary talents so when you face those zone physical defenses with small guards leading the way who aren't really having that burst as they did to start the year (laughs) you know it's, it's a problem and they you know they're not even ranked at the moment now and they were up at the three spot so it's really showing in their results all of their losses have come in conference play as well. So, you know, that's, it started off great, and Bobby Hurley got an extension out of it, but it's been, you know, problematic as the year's gone on. 
Arizona, on the other hand, you know, they're they're looking pretty good. They're still in that uh, they're still ranked, and uh, with pieces like DeAndre Ayton and Alonzo Trier, they they're looking pretty good, and I think they have the makings for you know to make some noise in March Madness. While at Arizona State, I don't really feel like they're built for the the postseason. Hey, just so I've got it clear, are you are you a student at Arizona or Arizona State? Arizona State. Okay, I thought so. I just wanted to make sure because I knew you said you were calling from uh, uh, Tempe. So, uh, joining us now, who has found his way uh, apparently from a uh, 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 Super Bowl hangover, I guess. Uh, Ed Kratz, uh, welcome back, our, our weary uh, soul uh, guy. Uh, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia yeah. Eagles. Uh, it's it's got to be electric in the city of brotherly love. We won't get into the, the craziness of your fans burning down your city practically, but nonetheless, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. And I tell you what, we're talking now, we've been talking about Josh McDaniels leaving the Indianapolis Colts at the altar, don't really care. We all like everybody on the panel today, like your guy Frank Reich uh, for the next head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Oh, what a, what a great hire that would be, Frank Reich. I mean, just a terrific man, uh, a real hard worker, uh, a real behind the scenes role in what the Eagles were able to do this year. He did not call uh, any of the plays during the games, but you know, him and Doug Peterson had such a good relationship. Uh, in the in the meeting rooms, and you know, even the night before the game, the two of them, Frank Reich and Doug Peterson, would sit down, just the two of them, and they called it the funnest part of the week. They would sit there and they would go over the 15 scripted plays that they opened every game with, and then they would dive into other parts of the game plan for you know an hour, two hours, sitting there just talking about that, talking about life. Uh, you know, Frank Reich certainly learned a lot uh, with Doug Peterson and throughout his career, and. If you look at the success Peterson had as a head coach, being a backup quarterback behind Marino and Favre and, and McNabb, uh, you know, and then you look at Frank Reich playing behind Jim Kelly. I mean, I think Frank Reich would be a terrific hire for the Indianapolis Colts. And, you know, if they don't get it done today, they better get it done over the weekend because I, I just don't think they can let him get away. No, absolutely. I think we're all in agreement uh, agreement uh, with with you on on that as well. Uh, so it sounds like you uh, still haven't got your voice uh, recovered yet. So we'll we'll try to take it easy on you. But uh, Rick, uh, Rick, uh, what questions do you have for uh, Ed Kratz uh, regarding NFL recap, uh, NFL going forward in, uh, into twenty eighteen, the off season, or what have you? Well, actually, Mo brought up something. A really good point. You know, if Frank Reich was their guy, I come. He hasn't been a uh, you know, contacted, you know, way before, you know, and uh, I guess my question is for Mo, uh, do you think there's some sort of agreement in place a long, you know, a long time ago now with Josh McDaniels and that's why these other guys were never contacted? Uh, let me uh, speak for Mo. Uh, Mo's got a sick kid. He texted me and he had to drop off. So uh, I understand what's going on there. Oh, okay. uh, you know, here, here's the thing. And, we can let Ed answer this as well. I think all along the Indianapolis Colts were all bought into Josh McDaniels. That's why we we feel so dirty pool about this. That's why it was such a bitch move for for Josh McDaniels because they had a a gentleman's agreement, which is you know your word is your bond. Uh, and so when they had that, they thought they had their guy. So I think that the answer is relatively clear why they didn't talk to anybody else. But Frank Reich has always been on the top of their list. Go ahead, Ed. 
Yeah, I mean, why didn't you contact? You know, why wasn't Doug Peterson contacted before the Eagles hired him? Why wasn't Andy Reid contacted by anybody before the Eagles? I mean, sometimes things work out for a reason. And I got to be honest, I, I wasn't really sold on McDaniel's as a head coach. I'm still not. I don't like how it played out for him in Denver. I know he was young. Maybe he learned his lessons. But to me, he's a retread coach, and I. I do not like retread coaches. I don't like the hire of John Gruden in Oakland. I just think that, you know, you have to start fresh with a, a head coach who's hungry, who's looking to make his bones in this business, uh, someone that hasn't been jaded by being a head coach already. And I think this could be the best thing to happen to the Colts is McDaniels bailing and them going out and searching for a new head coach. I, I'm just not sold on Josh McDaniels, whereas I've been around Frank Reich now for two years, and I just think the world of the guy – I know everybody in that building thinks the world of him, including Carson Wentz, who he had a big role in helping develop. And I, I just think this will work out for the better, a blessing in disguise, if you will, for the, for the Colts fans. We also got on the line with this Grant Ossoff. He's calling us from Arizona State University, uh, studying sport jur- uh, sports journalism, does a lot of uh, contributing uh, articles and blogs uh, for uh, the various uh, different sport outlets here in town. Uh, Grant, uh, what questions do you have for Ed? Uh, Grant, I know you're, uh, you're, you're still in college and getting your degree in uh, sports journalism. What uh, questions do you have maybe for Ed to help make you a little bit more successful in the world of sports media? media uh well i think uh something that would be uh good to know is like what do you think are the the best opportunities to pursue while you're still in college because right now i write a column for the kokomo tribune about the pacers and i'm i work for my own website indianasportscoverage.com but it'd be uh you know kind of like nice to know what are the the best avenues to pursue? Uh, well, I, I think the best thing you can do is to just keep writing as much and as often as you can, whether it's a published uh, story or whether it's just something you do in a journal or, or something you sit down and write about off of a game that maybe you, you see on television. But I just think you keep writing, and I think you need to find a good editor, uh, someone that can edit your stuff and take whatever uh, that editor says to you to improve and take it to heart. Uh, don't take it personally for any corrections he or she makes for you, uh, but find yourself a good editor. Do as much writing as you can, and, uh, you know, as we all know, you know, uh, Tom and Rick could vouch for this. It's not always what you know. It's who you know. So, you know, make as much many contacts as you can. Uh, keep in touch with as many people as you can via social media, uh, and, and, you know, because someone will help you uh, in your future. I try to help as many people as I can. Uh, coming up through the years because uh, I had help along the way. And, uh, you know, that's invaluable is to, is to find, uh, you know, contacts and, 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 and make friends with those contacts and keep in touch with them. And, uh, Grant, I would encourage you to follow Ed on Twitter and uh, follow his work, and he's, he's, he's always easy to reach uh, via Twitter as, as well. And I want to talk with you about some of the storylines. Uh, let's, let's, let's start uh, with one of the storylines out there that, uh, that did the Philadelphia Eagles uh, fake the – you were there, you tell me. Did the Philadelphia Eagles fake their Super Bowl walkthrough uh, to fool the New England Patriots? Yeah, it sure seems that way, doesn't it? You know, Rick Lovato, the long snapper, said that they were running they were running plays on the on walkthrough that they weren't even anywhere near the playbook. So, uh, you know, that's just an indication that Doug Peterson really uh, thought of everything. You know, he outcoached Bill Belichick in that game uh, at every corner, and he even did it before the game. Uh, and it was great because 
you know, you don't know who the Patriots have. There are all sorts of people walking around that stadium uh, during that walkthrough and during that time that the players and the families <laughs> came together for a team photo. You don't know. You don't know who's spying for the, for the Patriots. So I thought it was genius by Peterson. I, I did too. I thought it was pretty, uh, pretty clever. And I, I saw all kinds of just little trick moves. And I think one of my favorites was the flea flicker to Nick Foles to the, to the end zone. It, it was, a, it was a, a play that uh, the Patriots weren't able to pull off, but the, but the, but the Eagles were able to pull off. And I think that was really a deciding factor. And it just, the, it was a fun game to watch. It was a fun, fun game to watch. We, we've uh, compared it on the show today to maybe a college game, but it was just a fun game uh, to watch. Now we got to talk a little bit about Nick Foles. I mean, let's let's face it. Uh, he made a name for himself, and you know he's now a quarterback, a Super Bowl champion. He's a quarterback of a Super Bowl champion. The options: do the Eagles keep him? You know, the thing about it is he's going to want more money. He's going to get more money. Somebody's going to pay. You got to look at maybe some of these other teams that maybe where Cousins doesn't go might be an opportunity for Nick Foles uh, to go to as well. And I think the popular theory is that you know, hey, you know, you, you if you're a QBT and you're a Super Bowl champion, you, you want to be paid and go somewhere else. So that opportunity is going to be there for him. But I would think, you know, certainly not knowing exactly where Carson Wentz is going to be at exactly. I mean, I know everybody wants him back. You're kind of in a, not as bad of a situation as we are here in Indianapolis, but a similar situation as we are here in Indianapolis. Uh, I think that, that maybe the it, maybe it's just me, but maybe the Eagles look at just hanging on to Nick Foles. Go ahead. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think Nick Foles comes back. Um, you know, when I, I, I was covering this team when he was drafted in 2012, and Nick was a pretty immature guy at the time, I will say, as most of us are, you know, 2021. But through the years, he has really gained perspective. And uh, I think Nick Foles takes a look around and he says, you know what, I struggled when I left Philly. I went to St. Louis. I went to Kansas City. And my career really kind of nosedived. I was reborn here in Philadelphia. I'm close with this coaching staff. I'm very close with Carson Wentz. I think the Eagles will pay him some more money as sort of a thank you, but then it's back to the bench and he'll support Carson Wentz. Just as Carson Wentz supported Nick Foles through this journey, Foles will cheer for Wentz. And then if you're the Eagles, you have a great quarterback combination here. We all saw what a backup quarterback can do. So many teams in this league, when they lose their starter, uh, they're dead in the water. They don't have that backup that can come in and do what Nick Foles did. Nick Foles, what he did is remarkable. Uh, a backup quarterback coming in and beating a dynasty of the New England Patriots. So I think Foles will be more than happy to back up Wentz and say, look, big guy, this is your turn. This is your Super Bowl to win now. And I'm here with you every step of the way, in every meeting, in every film study, in every Bible study. I'll be there right by your side cheering you on. And then, look, if Wentz gets hurt, hurt again, which he hasn't proven he's able to stay healthy, he had a wrist injury in college his senior year, broke a rib his, his rookie year, and then this year the ACL. So, you know, he's got a string of injuries here over the last three years. It's a concern. So if you're the Eagles, I don't think you're going to let Foles go. I think Foles will be more than happy to subjugate whatever ego he has to sit behind Wentz and to root him on. But that said, the Eagles will give him more money. Well, absolutely. And Nick Foles is a very humble guy, and I certainly enjoyed hearing his uh, uh, post-game uh, 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 talks to the press. Uh, very, very humble, and uh, certainly uh, uh, I think that him and Carson Wentz do have a good fusion together. Uh, Ed, do you have any uh, more questions for uh, Ed Kratz uh, regarding the Philadelphia Eagles or the NFL? 
<laughs> Ed's going to ask himself uh, some questions. That's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I meant Rick. I apologize, Rick. Ed, 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 go ahead and talk to yourself there. I'm, I'm out of it. I'm sorry. Go, go ahead and there, uh, Rick. A couple things. Uh, uh, for one, Ed, you, you actually sound a lot more energetic this morning than, uh, you know, so some other weeks. Uh, has there been a cloudy day yet in Philly? It's cloudy today, but you wouldn't know it. No, I mean, I, I just feel a little more rested this week. I mean, that, that playoff uh, run with the Eagles, that's just a grind. You know, it's uh, three weeks of, you know, and I'm not complaining, but I'm just saying that, you know, I've had a few days of rest. I had a little bit of a cold. Uh, but, you know, I am energetic because mostly I've been able to get some good sleep. <laughs> and, and the other thing is uh, I, I completely agree uh, with you about Nick Foles and staying in Philly and, and everything, but uh, there's some teams out there that need a quarterback, and they're looking at Foles and seeing a Super Bowl MVP sitting on the bench. So they're going to start making up some offers that he's probably not going to be able to refuse. I just, I just see that maybe happening in the very near, near future. Yeah, realistically though, Rick, what do you what do you, what is the team going to give up for him? Are you going to give up a number one draft pick uh, for Nick Foles to come in and play quarterback? I don't know. I don't see it. And I think if some team did, then certainly the Eagles would have to really look at that long and hard. But Nick Foles would have to want to go there. He's earned the chance to say yeah or nay to whatever deal is out there. Um, and again, Nick Foles has been kind of, you know, he was exiled to St. Louis in Kansas City, and his career didn't go uh, as well as he thought. He's already made a lot of money in this league. Um, and, and then you look at all the quarterbacks that are coming out in the draft this year. I think there's going to be five or six of those guys are going to get taken in the first round. So if you're a team that's going to give up a first rounder, do you want Nick to come in as a stopgap until one of those kids you draft is ready? Or do you want him to come in to take over the reins for the next five years? I, I just don't see a team that's going to give up a number one pick, maybe a number two or a three, but I don't know if I would deal Foles for a two or a three. All right. Is, is, is he just got one more year left on the contract in Philly? And then he's a free right. agent. That's okay, correct. so he's got one more year. Maybe one more year, and then these teams are seeing you know just Super Bowl MVP sitting there in free agency, and then you know that's that, that's really uh, more more along the lines I was uh, going with. Yeah, what what I think is going to happen when I say the Eagles are going to give Nick more money, I think they're going to give him a longer deal. I think they're going to oh, add gotcha. another year. Yeah, I think they're going to give him another year or two on that contract and give him some more guaranteed money uh, and then spread it out and make it work salary cap-wise. But but that's kind of what I mean is, I mean, yeah, he's got one year left, but I I expect them to kind of add another year or two to that deal. We're, we're talking with Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and our official NFL contributor, uh, putting a recap on the 2018 NFL season, of course, the Super Bowl. Rick Riggett, our college football analyst, all-around good guy, and uh, Grant Alsif, uh, a sports uh, journalism student down in Arizona State, does a lot of uh, contributing work to uh, for the Pacers, for the Kokomo Tribune, and certainly uh, in the uh, Indiana Sports uh, Coverage dot com. We'll start with you, uh, Grant, on this uh, question for the panel we saw san francisco 49ers award the biggest contract in nfl history uh to a guy who's only started seven games i i mean if i'm Garoppolo, i'm laughing all the way to the bank if i'm brady i'm like oh and did you guys hear about this joke that was played uh by the the boston radio station ironically the same boston radio station with the disparaging pissant uh but this prank took forever to pull off 
and uh, didn't even know how it was going to end. But basically what happened was one of the guys at the radio stations created a fake, uh, a fake account, uh, a fake Twitter account, fake email account, fake cell phone numbers, uh, and uh, hooked up with this guy from the Boston Globe. For whatever reason, they were going to play a prank on this guy. And uh, so they had been corresponding, but this, the, the fake person was like an assistant to the agent of Brady. Okay, uh, and so they've been like changing and doing like just real news stories that everybody knew about, and you know, hey, yeah, I know this, I know this. So what happened was when this Garoppolo thing came down, this is I think is a, a classic prank, and I I don't know the whole backstory, uh, but I know that they they had some audio about it. But he, here's the thing, and I think I shared it with all of you guys, the audio uh, portion of them talking about it, uh, but. But basically, here's what happened is that this fake uh, person uh, sends a text to uh, the, the uh, Boston Globe columnist and says, hey, here's what's happening. Uh, Tom Brady says he's going to bench himself unless he gets a matching contract to Garoppolo. I'm just letting you know because uh, Sheffy's going to have that news here soon, and you know how he likes to break stories. When the Boston Globe texted back and said, well, I better, I better get on that story. Is it my story? He says, if it's your story. And he says, well, I'm writing as, as we speak. And that article was published, and it was a prank, and then they blew it all up on the, on the radio. So uh, it sounds like there's some bad blood between the Boston radio station and the Boston Globe. But at the end of the day, uh, Guapolo has only started seven NFL games. Yes, he has success. Yes, he looked good. Uh, but, hey, uh, Tom Brady's got to be saying, uh, hello. Uh, go ahead. We'll start with you, Grant. Yeah, I think uh, another interesting thing about it is that how big these quarterback contracts are getting. It seems like every time a quarterback is up for a contract, everyone like freaks out about the the volume of money that they make. And then all of a sudden, like it seemed like yesterday, Andrew Luck was the guy that everyone was freaking out about. Now I think he's like the fifth highest paid quarterback. So I, I just think it's pretty interesting to look at how much these quarterbacks are starting to get. Ed, what are your thoughts on this mammoth uh, 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 contract that, that Garoppolo landed with the San Francisco 49ers? One would say he really struck gold. Pa-bum-bum. Go right ahead. Well, John Lynch better be right. Uh, you know, they've invested a lot of money in him, and you hope it's not another uh, Brock Osweiler uh, situation. You know, Denver invested all that money in Brock Osweiler, and he was a bust. I know Garoppolo's looked good. He's elevated that offense. He, he's won every start that he's made, but – you know, he's just kind of starting out here, and there wasn't a real book on him. So, you know, they're rolling the dice clearly on Garoppolo. I, I think they have to. Uh, and, and, you know, he may turn out okay, but Lynch better be right. Um, and, you know, just kind of getting back to what Grant was saying there about the contracts, you know, that's one thing the Eagles really had in their favor that they were able to take advantage of. They have rookie uh, – Carson Wentz is still on his rookie contract, so they're not paying him a lot of money. So they were able to spend some of the money that would normally be uh, gobbled up by a, a top-flight quarterback and spread that around and get the depth that they needed to win this Super Bowl and overcome those injuries. Uh, they were able to get a quarterback like Nick Foles and pay him $11 million over two years because Carson Wentz is still only making about $6 million a year. Now, once Wentz comes due for his contract, he's going to consume a great deal of that salary cap too. Uh, and then the Eagles are going to have to skimp elsewhere. You know, in my opinion – I've always said this, I part of the salary cap situation where maybe a percentage of his contract should count toward the salary cap because 
the quarterback is the most posi- uh, important position on the field, and that's why these guys are getting the big money. But I don't think every single dime of their cor- of their contract should count against the salary cap. It should be just a percentage, if anything at all, should count toward that salary cap. It would make teams more competitive. Uh, it'd make teams better. I think it would improve the play uh, in the NFL because you'd be able to pay players uh, a little bit more money. But, you know, that's a story for another time, I guess. But I, I just think that John Lynch, in this case with Garoppolo, he better be right. Rick, I better explain the joke to you because you're probably scratching your head. What did he mean by strike goal and pa-bum-bum? Bum? Because you do know that the San Francisco 49ers the 49ers, yeah, is the 49ers is a goal to rush. Yes, Tom, I know. I just want to make sure. Hey. Uh, I want to make sure you Go ahead, Rick. <laughs> well, I'm always a uh... – I never really lost my mind about how, how uh, some of these contracts these players get paid. I've always been uh, – I, I always feel like you, you're worth what somebody's willing to pay you. That makes me worth about $10 in a box of envelopes. Uh, but they want to pay him 137 over five years. <laughs> I mean, that's great. Uh, at the same time, though, I, I do think the 49ers at this point right now are, are idiots, really. You, know, you only give the guys seven starts. And uh, – yeah, now he's got this contract. I mean, I don't know if Brady's too worried about, you know, what, what he's making out there because Brady's just towards the end of his uh, career here. So uh, maybe 10 years ago, Brady, this same situation happened with 10 years ago. Brady might be really upset about it and wants the same contract. But uh, right now, I, I I mean, yeah, if they want to pay him 137, I think he's worth it, then that's great. But I'm with that. I mean, he better really be worth it because that's a lot of money and, Tied tied into one guy, so it really limits them to what they can do the rest of the team, right, Ed? Yeah, absolutely. Once you you know make that big a uh, investment in the quarterback position, that does limit you in what you can do uh, elsewhere. But let me just say, I don't begrudge any NFL player whatever money they make. I you know good for them. I don't you know whatever they make, it's great. It's a tough sport. It's a violent game. It leaves players disabled. uh, A lot of them as they get older and they retire. So you know, to me, whatever NFL players make. I am just fine with. Absolutely. I, I, my biggest question, though, is did Tom Brady really beat time? I want to find out about that. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, he started to live past the uh, uh, years of uh, what they were thinking his success would be. So he, out, he outlived that. So I'd say probably yes, just based off that. Yeah, I Sunday, uh, Super Bowl Sunday, I watched uh, one of the episodes of uh, uh, Brady versus Time. And so, uh, anyway, we, we move well, on. Well, you know, Tom, let me just say, you know, they, they, they have delayed the release of the next episode of that Facebook series because of the loss in the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, there was supposed to be another episode of that Brady versus Time or Tom versus uh. Time, whatever it is. But it was delayed because of the loss in the Super Bowl, and it may never uh, see the light of Facebook, but we'll see. But, uh, you know, the Eagles beating the Patriots certainly put a crimp in that series. Well, and I think that just goes to show the the entitlement mentality that the Patriots have, and yeah, yeah. that they just, just it was just a foregone conclusion, uh, much, uh, much like Hillary Clinton. Much like Hillary Clinton winning the election, but that's a whole other story. Well, guys, we've got to wrap it up and put a bowl on it. We'll start with you, uh, Grant. Where can people find your work and your masterpieces? Uh, we appreciate you getting up early and calling us from out in Arizona, uh, but I guarantee you have better weather out there than we do here. Go right ahead, sir. 
Yeah, I think it was like at one point almost like 80 degrees yesterday. So I think it definitely <laughs> is better out here in terms of weather and stuff. But yeah, you can. I write a weekly uh, Indiana Pacers column for the Kokomo Tribune. You can find that in the paper or on their online platform. And I write uh, Pacers content and also some Colts content for IndianaSportsCoverage.com. And you can find me on social media. My usernames are all uh, Grant, and then my last name is A-F-S-E-T-H. And thanks for having me on. You got it. You got it, buddy. And uh, certainly uh, we'll have you on again in, in the future. Rick Riggin all around. Rick, uh, good guy, college uh, football analyst, uh, giving us a call. Where can people find your work and your masterpiece, sir? On Twitter, at Rick and underscore Rick. And the, uh, that Twitter account has really, like, become like really cool now just because of the past few weeks of the back and forth I've been having with Ed Kratz on that Twitter account. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I put on there, I thought the uh, Josh McDaniels things with the Colts was a ploy by the Patriots to spy, you know, because they're known for spying. It was just a joke, you know, so it was like, I knew the Colts, you know, it was, it was just a joke, and then he's like, oh, it's all over my head, now I get it, you know, so yeah, it's been a lot of fun yeah. that Twitter account, and you know, joke around that on the past couple of weeks. So that at Rick underscore Rick. I lo- I I loved uh, the Wikipedia page you sent me. That was great. I I had to share that oh, out yeah, with that everybody. My son. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ed Ed Kratz, beat, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and uh, our official NFL contributor. Uh, we're going to go into the off season with you, but certainly you can uh, join the show at any time that you want. And uh, we look forward to uh, catching up with you uh, around the combine and around the draft day and around OT. Hope you have a great uh, off season, and as always, it's it's been an honor to have you a part of the show. Go right ahead, sir. Where can people find your work and your masterpieces, sir? Oh, thanks. I, I love doing this show. I love you guys. You know, it's always fun. <clears throat> always great to hear your voices. Um, yeah, well, my, well I'm, I'm on Twitter at Kratzy, as Rick knows, K R A C Z E. Like, uh, follow Rick. He's a great follow. Uh, but yeah, you can you find me on Twitter, and I post all my links with the Eagles Wire at USA Today. Uh, dot com there uh, as well as some other thoughts and you know maybe i'll be tweeting about the olympics these next couple weeks i did a little curling yes. while i was in minnesota up in st paul i saw uh, that what, a, what yeah what a great what a great day that was but <laughs> uh yeah so i'll be following the olympics you might see a tweet or two about the olympics i know it was 28 degrees for opening night uh in south korea and i said to my wife last night i said you could add up every single day that i was in minnesota seven straight days of the high temperature and it did not total 28 degrees. I mean, it was cold in Minneapolis, uh, but it was a trip that was well worth it with the Eagles winning the Super Bowl. Oh, absolutely. And what an honor it was for you to, to be able to go to that. Uh, Ed, we appreciate you. You have yourself a, a good weekend, sir. And get, get your voice to uh, feeling better. All right, guys. Thanks again. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Thanks. Great show today. Thanks uh, to, uh, Tyson Lautenschlager of OnPitRoad.com, Steve Wilson, Speedway Digest, uh, helping us bring in the uh, NASCAR 2018 season. And uh, obviously the last hour we've been talking with uh, Rick Riggin, our college football analyst, uh, Grant Alsef, and Mo from the BS Sports Show. My name is Tom Marquez, El Presidente. Do make sure you follow us on at T-Balance and on Facebook, uh, the balance uh, and uh, we'll do this thing called the balance every saturday morning between 9 a.m and 11 a.m if you're listening to us on the podcast just do us a favor so that you're reminded uh just hit uh subscribe my name is tom mark with presidente don't drink a drive it's not cool i'm out of here deuces
Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.